3: All right, America, this is America. I am Rich Valdez. We're 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, and we have a special edition of This is America today. It's the Latinos for Liberty 2020 Town Hall, and we're going to be talking about all things capitalism versus socialism as well as how and why the Democrats are doing a better job at attracting Hispanic voters and what the Republicans are going to do to make up that gap. Again, I'm Rich Valdez. This broadcast is brought to you by, of course, WABC Radio, wabcradio.com, And Bravo Pizza right here in New York City, as well as Tower Beverage. Tower Beverage donates 10% of their proceeds to the families of 9-11 victims, as well as uh, fallen soldiers. Speaking of that, soldiers, one of our panelists this evening, I'm going to introduce each of our panelists, uh, is a Fox News contributor, a Turning Point USA contributor, Iraq war veteran, and I think they call him America's favorite gay black veteran. (laughs) Hope I didn't mess that up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Rob Smith. And joining us over here, front and center, is going to be former assemblywoman from the state of New Jersey. She's a roller derby champ, and she's here with us tonight. Her name is Maria Rodriguez Gregg. Maria, Welcome. Maria was also the first Republican Latina ever elected to the New Jersey legislature. Welcome. Also joining the panel tonight are the chairman and the vice chairman of the Republican National Hispanic Assembly of New York, and that's New York State. So uh, help me welcome Ariel Rivera Diaz, chairman of the RNHA. And vice chairman of the New York RNHA, Gabriel Montalvo. (laughs) All right, so we're going to dig right in. You guys can fight over the mic, and uh, I can share mine, and I got another one over there if you need to. But uh, the question that we're going to pose right now is, why are Hispanics Democrats? On my podcast, I've mentioned that, in my opinion, Democrats are the enemy of Hispanics. They're the enemy of our culture and the way we live our lives, at least the Democrats of today. Years ago, it may have been a different story, but I think the Democratic Party of yesteryear is no longer. I'm going to throw that out there. Let's start over here with
2: Mr. Chairman. Just like what Rich said, I'm the New York State RNHA Chairman. Um, and to answer your question, it's the miseducation that the Democrats and the government has, have been perpetrating on our communities. Um, it's, just, it's just disgusting what the Democrats have been doing um, to the Latino community. They've been misleading us. They've been spewing lies left and right. And Let me jump
3: in and ask, what kind of lies are you talking about when you say that it's, it's misinformation or disinformation? What are the lies? Pick three.
2: Break them down. So the first one is stating that Latinos are supposed to be Democrats because of their skin color or where they come from. Um, that's not true because the Tinos were very faith-based um, we're god-fearing people um, we respect the lord and with that comes the conservative values that we experience every day um, the second line is offering us free things that are not sustainable with for our economy um they promise us health care, welfare, all these food stamps that destroy our economy, and that should be the case. They're misleading us. And the third lie is just, st- just um, stating they're pushing their candidates um, that they're the savior and the messiah for the Latino community. No one is our savior other than God himself, other than our Lord. Um, so those three lies are just pushing the Latino community over the edge. Of you know, that's desperation. They can't go on. They can't go on with their financial lives. I'm sorry. With their financial lives, Um, they're always struggling on a daily basis because of these policies that the Democrats are pushing on a daily basis. Like for example, bail reform, right? That's going to hurt the Latino community more than ever. But yeah, those are the three points. That all right. I appreciate that. And.
3: Obviously, you're the chairman of the Republican National Hispanic Assembly for the state of New York. Yeah. What's the plan? What are you doing? How can the people that are
2: listening help what you're doing to stop those things? Get the word out. That's number one thing. We need to mobilize. We need to show the, the, the GOP, that the establishment, that the RNHA is not here to follow their rules. We're going to use unorthodox ways to engage these voters and unengaged voters. Um, into politics. Why? Because Latinos, we're a growing demographic for the 2020 election. What we have to do as Latinos, we need to get out there and mobilize. So for the people listening, we need your help. We need to save the future for our children, for the future generations. Because what the Democrats are doing is just absolutely disgusting, absolutely disgusting um, for Latino communities. So for the people listening, we need your help. This is a plea of help. We need to save our future here in New York State and in the city, as well in the nation. Thank you. Rob Smith, obviously, he mentioned that, you
3: know. America's
1: favorite black gay better Republican. I don't think I know. could do
3: that. I couldn't do it better than you. Rob
1: Smith, roll, everybody. Roll off the tongue, right?
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, he mentioned people of color, and you happen to be one. Yes. So tell us a little bit about how how is America's favorite gay, black, veteran, Republican. Did I get it right? Yes. All right. Awesome. How is it that you're sharing the stage with us tonight uh, when conventional wisdom says you check off too many boxes to be with a bunch of conservatives?
1: I, I think that for me personally, uh, what I wanted, wanted to do was to piggyback on kind of what you were saying, because I'm obviously not Latino or black. Um, but the lies of the left are targeted to blacks and Latinos in pretty much the same way. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, when it comes to Latinos, what the left and Democrats have really done is that they have conflated illegal immigrants with immigrants. Um, and, and they've muddied the waters in a way, that um, they say that whenever you know this administration or, or Republicans talk about border security or anything like that, then it's saying that, oh, you know, Republicans don't want uh, immigration or they hate immigrants or immigrants. No, you know, people don't want illegal immigration. So first of all, and then second of all, Curtis uh, brought up a really good point, and I never really thought about it like this. I talk a lot about how African Americans are so targeted by Democrats using our entertainers and our celebrities and I think that the way that they are using uh, Latino celebrities and entertainers to to push forth these leftist messages is a very new thing um, I saw that that video with Cardi B and, and Bernie Sanders and nail salon is crazy uh, it, it's just it's awful but you have somebody that is a very popular entertainer overall but spe- specifically popular uh, among the Latino community and that she is somebody that is being used to put forth these messages of socialism and all that stuff, even though she does rants where she's complaining about her taxes, and you know that she doesn't really feel this way.
3: She's um, a closet conservative.
1: But she's a closet conservative in, in a lot of different ways. She just bought a $6 million mansion in Atlanta that has an indoor gun range. So remember that, no serious, this is a real thing. And remember that the next time that she you know, says something about gun control or tweets about gun control. Um, and then also you have to think about the fact that she is more likely than not being paid by the Bernie Sanders campaign. There is no way that Cardi B is sitting in a nail salon getting filmed for a day with Bernie Sanders campaign without being paid. Right. So I think that a lot of people don't understand that. And what Latinos have that I think African Americans don't have right now is that black people, we're still 90-10, 90% Democrats. Latinos are still 70-30. So Latinos are more conservative than I think that a lot of people um, give you guys credit for. I think that it's one of those things where they wanna ignore that 30% of Latinos that are conservative. But you, try, you guys can still be saved. I'm, am trying to save the blacks. But you guys, I think, can still be saved. There's hope. You that, you, there's hope because you got that seventy thirty. I'm so out here trying to make the blacks. Um, I mean, God, at least we can get maybe we can get twenty percent of twenty twenty
3: souls. All right, sounds good to me. So, assemblywoman, tell us a little bit about that same topic of your experience as an elected official as. um, obviously an activist. You're still involved in activism and you're still involved in community building and working with um, different economic issues. I really want to talk to outreach with uh, Latinos, with Hispanics. Why aren't there more first Republican Latina legislator in New Jersey?
4: Well, first I just want to say, I think it's more like (laughs) 65-35. And I think that there's certainly... uh, I think one of the things is we keep talking about what the Democrats are doing and s- instead of talking about what we can be doing. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, there's a complete void there. If we don't have a message that's going to resonate in our community and we're not in our community heavily, grassroots, not just via social media, but grassroots and everything, um, then, you know, of course, there's going to be a void that someone can come in with a message that, you know, s- as he calls it, lies and everything. A
3: sexy message. A sexy We've got free this and free that. It's a sexy
4: message because, as you stated before, when they talk about how they conflate immigrants and illegals, we are not a monolith. We are not this homogenous community. We're all differently. We all are different. At, at the end of the day, we care about a lot of the same issues. Um, there are a lot of Latinos that are dealing with student loan debt, that are dealing with that care mothers, that care about education, that care about employment, that care about a better way of life. And if we're not, and, and care about the environment as well. And we need to start having answers to those issues, a vision that it, that is actionable and achievable, and really pushing that message and that vision in the community. Because when we don't have an answer to those issues, when someone says, well, I'm having an issue with my student loans, and we're just saying, well, suck it up, buttercup, maybe you shouldn't have done philosophy, you know, of course they're gonna look the other way to the person that's saying free college. When we're not, giving actionable policy that addresses the cost of colleges you know
3: um, or at least driving more money into their pockets so that's not an issue
4: exactly but the, but that's the point is that we need a message that resonates we need to engage those that are already here look at this we have this room where we have a lot of latinos that are republican conservative leaning and we need to put engage them and put them out in the community to you know talk to our community but at the end of the day it's not just about having a token. It's not just about having someone that looks like you. It matters. It does absolutely matter. But it's having a message and a vision that resonates in our community. And you have to have solutions. You have to have answers. And if you don't, nobody's listening.
3: We need our own sexy message, Correct. one of liberty. Thank you. Correct, Mr. Vice Chair, she mentioned messaging. And I think messaging is key. I think. Y- Ten years ago, there wasn't as much messaging as there is today uh, directed at different groups. What is it that you and the RNHA are doing to address this problem that the Democrats seem to have figured out? They've got the secret sauce, the silver bullet. They know how to get at us. How do we stop them?
5: What I think that the Democrats do extremely well is they are able to go into neighborhoods where you would not see a Republican. And they'll knock on the doors that Republicans would be too afraid, conventional Republicans would be too afraid to knock on and what we're doing here with the RNHA is we're setting the tone and the standard. We are here to bridge the gap between conservative, naturally conservative minded Hispanic Americans, Latinos, and the GOP. We're going to show them the importance by going door to door, speaking Spanish if necessary, and raising awareness. I've heard misconceptions before that the RNHA is only for Hispanic Americans. It's not for anyone else. It's it's, uh, exclusive rather than inclusive, and that's a misconception that we are going to dispel as well we do not consider ourselves just to be uh, my heritage is ecuadorian i don't consider myself to be ecuadorian i'm an ecuadorian american i wanted to give back to my country so i decided to join the new york army national guard and serve thank you for your service sir. thank you thank you this is all to protect defend and serve the people of the united states and to show that level of patriotism talking to them, having a conversation, not yelling, not putting this up on YouTube and Instagram saying, haha, uh, Hispanic um, liberal destroyed by Hispanic conservative. It's about starting a conversation, having the ability to have civil discussion. Without discussion, there won't be any sort of difference of thought. And that's what this country was based off. It's a revolutionary idea, which is, and which is the First Amendment.
4: I want to add to that, too. You know, one of the things that you keep saying is that the Democrats, they don't have I mean, yes, right now we say it's 65, 35, but they don't have a monopoly over our party. In 2020, we're going to be the biggest voting minority mm-hmm. block, Right. Yep. And so right now, if you look at Florida, I mean, the, you have a huge Latino Hispanic population that is completely growing. And right now the Democrats are running scared. Because at the end of the day, right now, their message isn't quite resonating. And there is a huge opportunity for us. And that's exactly right. We need to get out into these communities, knock on doors, and engage. Um, I I heard somebody in the audience earlier talking about grassroots, 100% what we have to do.
1: I I agree with that stuff. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of, well, we don't want to just be the people that say, you know, somebody gets destroyed on social media. and We don't want to be the social media people. We want to knock on doors and be grassroots. And that's great. Um but I don't want you guys to discount the power of social media. I'm somebody that I came out as conservative two years ago, I have a massive social media Welcome following. Welcome to the party. Thank you. <laughs> um I have a massive social media following and the reach that I have is is heavily amplified by social media. And and I think that you guys may be missing something by saying, I know that you have to get in community, I know that it's door-to-door and grassroots and all that, but I think you may be missing the fact that you really do need more Latino conservative voices that have these huge social media messages. Um, Ana Paulina Luna, I don't know sure, if you guys yes. know Ana Paulina, who's amazing, who was uh, with Turning Point USA, and now she's running for office in Florida. Um, that huge social media platform that she built has afforded her the opportunity to, to run for office in Florida and have a national platform. So I think that you you have to be able to walk and shoot bubblegum at the same it's time. Both. Yeah, is we're
4: doing one or the other, and we think it's one or the other, but it has to be. It together.
1: has to be both. It absolutely has to be together. And what I see, like, I wish that there were ten more a Paulina Lujas. You know and what I you mean?
3: know what? That's the point that I, I want to just build on real fast. That's totally why I'm up here. Yeah, I really, really want to have ten. I, I want a hundred more because the reality of of beating. The other side, and to me it's not about beating the other side, it's about beating an idea, Mm -hmm. an idea that I disagree with and I don't think is good for all Americans, irrespective of their color. So the the message of liberty, the message of, of individuality that I think our country was started on is really a winning message and we need to get it out there. And this is just one more way. Of getting it out there, uh, just before we do, uh, you mentioned um, Anna Paulina, and I know she has yeah. uh, been rocking with Lexit before she yeah. she did that. And I want to give uh, the Lexit guys, I know they're listening in California, a big shout out because they've been doing amazing work. And just to meet in the middle here, you guys both made excellent points. I think you're speaking from a, a, as a legislator, you don't win a seat in the New Jersey State Assembly or any office if you don't knock on doors, and you can't create a movement if you don't have a social media presence. Mm-hmm. So they are... Mutually exclusive, Absolutely. but they're together, right? Because you have to have both. We need to convert hearts and minds, and we have to win seats.
4: No, but you mentioned uh, Ana Polina. Okay, well, that's the thing. The Republican Party needs to do a better job of embracing and pushing the platform of those that are out
1: there. Absolutely, I was and she legislator. should be getting much more support.
4: I was a legislator in New Jersey, um, first Latina Republican elected. I had my shtick, played roller derby, my degrees <clears> in <throat> economics, all of that stuff. You know, some people make jokes. It was MRG before ARC. AOC. However, the Republican Party didn't really quite elevate me the way that they could have. When I yeah. was on when I was a spokesperson for She Should Run, that was all me. Everything that I did, even getting elected, mm-hmm. pushing my way through the Republican Party, was me pushing yeah. through. And so we have to do
3: a better did job. Did you use your roller the, derby gear to push through?
4: I could have. <laughs> I should have. And we do and, and we have to do a better like we have these two young leaders here right now. We have to do a better job of elevating them and embracing them as well with the work that they're doing. Well and we said. have to,
1: and we have to push our national the national leaders to do this as well there's so many people because I'm in conversation with the social media team in the White House and, and all these different uh, conservative influencers black white Latino whatever but it, it is like they're dinosaurs mm-hmm. and they move so slowly and in some ways they understand the talent that somebody like you brings but then in some ways they're completely oblivious to it They're still in the Bush administration. And that – they're still – in the Bush – they're still in the freaking Reagan administration. Shout out to the Gipper. And where the left defeats us so much in in, in terms of getting hearts and minds and ideas is that they see somebody like AOC who is all out crazy, who is insane – but you would have to be blind to not see the appeal of that. And so they would see somebody that, that is that appealing and put all of their resources into her. We still do not have them doing that with people, even with Candace Owens, they're still not putting all of the resources into her. And that's pretty much like the one of the biggest conservative stars that we have. So it is definitely a frustration.
3: Yeah, And just to, to make the point, I think I agree with you. And I've echoed those same sentiments for many years. And I heard... Gabriel say that at a different event and my advice to him was I'm never ever going to tell the Republican Party that they need to invest in Hispanics. They need to invest in me or they need to invest in someone else. I'm going to force them to realize Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my own thing. They'll hear it. Yeah, we're going to switch. Well, before we do
1: do a little wrap-up
3: on that same topic. Last thoughts?
2: Uh, Yeah. Um, So, yeah, like I said before, we need to mobilize. And that's something important. Uh, As Latinos, we tend to be laid back, but it's time that we have to wake wake them up. Time to wake up this voter base. This voter base is very important for the 2020 election and we just have to wake them up. And that's what Gabriel and I are doing today. We want to tell Latinos that they are important for us.
3: How do they get involved?
2: They could um, follow us on Facebook, um, New York State RNHA. Um, they can search that up.
3: And that's where they'll find out about the next meeting and yes. how they can get involved events, and help support local else. campaigns. Uh, we
2: have an exciting 2020 um, year ahead of us. And we look forward to helping the communities are being forgotten and neglected by the Democratic Party. It is time that we uplift the Latino community and um, show them that their voices are valued by the Republican Party through the RNHA.
3: Excellent. We're going to put a pin in that right there. And again, this episode is brought to you by JustFacts.com, JustFacts, F-A-C-T-S.com. JustFacts is where I like to go when I want to find out anything about immigration, the economy. They use primary source data, and it's that primary source data that they use with their research that gives me what I need when I'm doing my research, whether it's as Mr. Call Screener for The Mark Levin Show or for This is America with Rich Valdez. The key is primary source data that hasn't been spun by one side or the other. Do yourselves a favor and sign up for JustFacts.com. That's JustFacts, F-A-C-T-S dot com slash rich. The next question that we're going to put out there, why are so many young, in particular young Hispanics, Latinos, buying into the idea that capitalism is okay? I think we've heard so much about uh, AOC and her all-out crazy policies, and they are. And, you know, I come up with a slew of these AOC things, like attacking uh, our Constitution and the attack on capitalism. And that's the most recent one. Recently, she was at the Riverside Church talking about Lord knows what on Martin Luther King Day. But she said that we don't have a left party or a left wing party is, I think, the intention in the United States. And I thought to myself, I understand your philosophy. She's saying there's leftist members amongst the Democrats. And I, I, I can agree with that. But they're winning. The left is coming hard and they've got a nominee that's killing it in in Iowa right now. Bernie Sanders is going to take it home. So what is it that we need to do? And this is the question I pose to the panel for minorities and for Hispanics and for women. Uh, to break the glass ceiling and and take it back to the roots of making money and capitalism. So uh, let's start on this side. Gabriel, what are your thoughts on capitalism versus
5: socialism? My, my thoughts are this. Really, before... Because I'll admit it, uh, before I had my own little walkaway story, I considered myself to be a socialist, communist, everything's free, Why? people are bad, because to, before I earned my first paycheck, it sounded great. <laughs> and then I had worked retail for the first time in my life, and I valued the importance of working for eight hours a day, standing, not being able to sit down, having people treat you like crap, and then at the end of the day, half of my paycheck goes to helping somebody else that I didn't even know try and get, you know, try and be elevated. My paycheck, my money is gone. And I think that a lot of college students, especially that like to hear this free, 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 they haven't gone into the workforce yet. And I find it very ironic that those who have already still support this and still complain that they don't have any money left. We need to understand that... It's not about the person sitting at the top that's directly affecting you. It's the person that you elected that's wanting to take it away from you because it's not really going to affect the guy, you know, the guy sitting at the uh, at the golden desk. It's going to be affecting the middle class Americans which make up the biggest portion of the economy in the United States. So, assemblywoman, do you want
3: to uh, I guess respond to that or add to that uh, with respect to what seems to be the draw, or at least what's your take on what is the draw? Why are people in particular, you know, the, the Bernie Sanders crowd. Why is when Bernie says health care is a right? Why, why does that matter to people? Because I hear it. Honestly, I hear that. And I, I don't say, my God, I love this guy. He's terrific. He's going to give me health care. It's a right. I don't need his rights.
4: Well, I mean, it's what I stated before. There's been a void in the Republican Party when it comes to answers on issues, everyday issues that Americans are facing. Um, You know, when people are struggling with college debt, when they are struggling with health care and being able to afford health care, when there's there, you know, we talk about the unemployment rate being low, but some people are working multiple jobs. The labor participation rate is still pretty stagnant. Okay, so when you look at those things, you know, um, people are working hard and they're struggling, so it sounds good. Just like he said, when you're working hard and you're struggling, or maybe you haven't had taxes completely taken out, it really sounds good. And the thing is too, it's not just, I'm taking taxes out of your paycheck that's struggling, I'm taking taxes out of that super wealthy person. So in your mind, that's not affecting you, that's coming down to you. So when you when there's a complete void of uh, a vision, a message and answers to those everyday issues, Yes, it sounds great, but it doesn't sound great for everyone. And I think the thing that we have to realize is there's a real opportunity for us because when people keep talking and pushing socialism, people are getting scared. You look in Florida right now, and if you talk about socialism, there are so many people that came from Cuba, Venezuela, that have experienced socialism and those failed policies in South America where they buried their children from malnutrition in Venezuela specifically because guess what? Their food rations, they weren't getting any. Okay. It's a complete, it's been a complete failure time and time again. And it is starting to scare people. And I think that there's an opportunity here for the Republican party to not just have an answer, but to also show why that answer is the absolute wrong one. And it's been proven time and time again, and it's starting to work in Florida. And I think what they're doing there is working and we need to replicate it throughout the nation. Excellent.
3: Thank you. And, and you, you brought up an interesting point, point. I'm going to pose that to you, is that there's debate over the fact that if you have two, three jobs, a job and a half, does that mean you're in good shape or bad shape? Wages are on the upswing. And I think a lot of this this messaging that we're talking about comes from nearly a decade, right? Nearly a decade of the Great Recession, where people got used to being broke, or at least used to go into the Florida vacation instead of the Italy vacation. So I think as we're starting to see that snap back and we're like, hey, I might hit Milan this year, I think people are starting to to see that and say, you know what, you're right. That messaging in Florida is is on point. We don't want this stuff. What do you say to that, Rob?
1: Um, I say that... I think that what we're missing when the uh, when we talk about the communism versus uh, communism, excuse me, the capitalism versus socialism conversation is that we have a lot of millennials that are coming out of, just like you said, the Great Recession. And I see like I had my own, you know, conversion to conservatism, being a Republican after all that stuff. When you come out of what happened during the Obama years, there are a lot of millennials who made very, very, very poor choices They made poor choices to get into student loan debt, to study things that were not going to ever make them any money. And now that that didn't work, now it's somebody else's fault. And so, what Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and AOC and their ilk are saying, of course, that is going to be very appealing to people. But we have to start talking about. I, and I don't know if it's not nece- if it's ne- necessarily something about what Republicans aren't saying in terms of how we can alleviate student loan debt or, or how we can create more opportunity. But it's about literally: Are we going to have people take control of their own lives, or are you going to give? Full control of your life to the government, that's what the conversation is. And giving full control of your life to the government sounds great when you're not making any money. Not to me. Well, (laughs) like, when you're not making any money. I get what you're saying. There's an appeal. Yeah, when when you're not making any money, when you don't have any sort of upward mobility, when you've got all this student loan debt, what Bernie Sanders and AOC and Elizabeth Warren are saying sound amazing. But what we have to do is we have to have a conversation about capitalism. When we talked about Cardi B and Fat Joe and and, and all these black and brown entertainers that are being used to push socialism on the masses, we need to say, wait a minute. Now, these people are capitalists and these people were successful via entrepreneurship. All of these people that, you know, you're worshiping the Bentleys and, you know, they're making it rain and they're doing all of this stuff. They came to this via capitalism. So why is all of a sudden why is what they're doing horrible? Why is what they have achieved horrible, and now we want to go to socialism? I, I think that Republicans haven't been good enough at, at drawing that line and really making people see. But I think that it's not going to be about policies that are alleviating, quote-unquote, student loan debt or anything like that. Because we have to eventually say, as people, that you made your bed, you have to lie in it. Just like that guy that—there uh, was a viral uh, clip of a guy confronting Elizabeth, Sanders, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Oh, yeah, talking about his and kid. he said— I had a buddy who took out tens of thousands of student loans. He went on vacation or whatever. I took out loans. I paid my loans off because I was responsible. So I guess it's just, you know, what am I supposed to do? I have student loan debt myself. I don't blame anybody for taking out that student loan debt but me. That was my decision. I was an adult. I'm not going to vote for Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren because I want mommy and daddy of the government to fix my life for me. And I'm sorry that sounds harsh, but I don't know if the way that we are going to defeat socialism as a party is to take up the mantle of what the left is saying, or, or to try to kind of combat their ideas with ideas that are too similar to that.
3: I agree. I think it's about contrast. I, I, I 100% and I agree with what you're saying. We have to have a message where we don't say socialism is bad. Take care. Brush your hair. No, We need more. (laughs)
4: That's the point. And it's not saying and I'm not saying, hey, we need to have a we need to have a solution to your student loan debt. But we need to have a solution to the rising cost of colleges because it, it, it has outpaced inflation. We do need to have policy solutions that are that are sound, that make sense. But that answer there, just making a distinction between capitalism and socialism in the right way is better than just saying socialism is bad. Yeah. And that's the thing. We're just saying, we keep talking about AOC. We're talking about her way too much. You know what? She's the best thing to happen right now for Republicans because it's starting to turn a lot of people off. She's creating division in her own party. And instead of just focusing on her and saying, why, 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 why don't we say why our side is good? It's the point of we have to have the void. We have to fill that void and we're not filling it. And if it's making the distinction that this is why capitalism is better, this is why we need to invest in entrepreneurship. We don't. We cut taxes at the top. Why don't we put more towards entrepreneurship Why and small business? If we put that focus there, that's an answer, as opposed to just saying socialism sucks.
1: And I agree with that. And I think that when the student loan conversation is something that uh, the student loan debt conversation is something that is going to be coming up a lot. And I think that for me, honestly, you're talking to somebody that has a bachelor's from Syracuse University and a master's from Columbia. College, as we know it, is a scam. Mm -hmm. It's a scam. scam. And we need to start having that conversation with people. You will see that that. You will see this message coming from Republicans more than liberals, because I think that the problem the Democrats have right now is they make people feel like they're nothing if they don't have a college diploma. Um, And there's a strain of elitism that's going on on the left right now, which is making people feel like they are nothing without a college diploma. I will tell people that, you know what, you're smarter than me because I'm, you know, $35,000 in student loan debt and my bachelor's agreement, nothing.
3: What do you say to Aunt Becky? Aunt Becky? And William Macy. Felicity Huffman, well, that invested so much to scam their way into their kids yeah, having a
1: good degree. I, I, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know what that's about. But I know that the future is not, um, the future is going to be technical training. The future is going to be telling people that if you go to a trade school and you learn a trade to become a plumber or an electrician, and you do not get into debt $100,000, and you're making ninety to $100,000 a year, once you get out of that trade school, that is a damn good life. And, and I don't think that that message is being shared enough. Well, and the consumers. reality is that message
3: wasn't available yes. for the last nine, ten years because we weren't building more. We weren't investing in infrastructure the way we should be and are now. So I think, you know, again, uh, orange, bad man or not, he's doing a lot to put that out there. There's more building going on. Homeownership is rising for everybody. Like they say, a rising tide lifts all ships and it, for black, white, brown, whatever that's, I think, part of the case. And I think it, another couple of years, there's going to be more increases in wages that should help things. But I think that's another excellent topic that we should probably revisit is higher education as a whole. And I have my own personal stories about that. I, I walked away from NYU. Some people walked away from the Democratic Party. I walked away from NYU. I sat next to an Israeli girl. She was very conservative, as was I. and And they were just uh, I was in a sociology class, and I remember the professor, the
5: disdain, that he was like, I, I don't like what you're saying, and he would cut me off. So, well, Rich, we also have to realize something, Yeah. that nobody's really speaking about the education aspect of this. I worked as an after-school teacher for about a year, and camp counselor in the summers, and I would actually speak to my students, and I wanted to know if their experiences were similar to mine. When I was younger, I was told that you're not going to make it because you're a minority. You're living in a white man's world and whatnot. That's racist. It is. And next thing you know, I'm being told that, well, don't worry. You can just rely on FAFSA. You can rely on the government. You can just be and fill out these boxes because of your That's race. That's fascist. <laughs> and the next thing you know, when you look at the data, the reason why you have such high tuition rates is because of the fact that Colleges realize that they can get more money from you if they realize that the government's going to give you 100% of it at times. Right. So in New York City, you are a, I think the number is $40,000 a year is what is put to every NYC student. That's enough to go to St. John's University every year. And I went, I did not, I do not feel like, a, like I was spent, uh, $40,000 was spent on me via the government. So I think it's very important that we need to understand that there is a large part of social... Um, responsibility that we need to take on to ourselves and take that back. And it doesn't just stay from the government run education system. It stays in the home. It starts and ends in the home. So bottom line, screw the government
3: pro-family. Yes. We're going to pivot now over to the chairman. We're going to wrap it up with you.
2: Uh, yeah. And to touch back on the socialism um, topic, uh, I went to Nicaragua during during high school. Um, do you all may know Nicaragua has a socialist uh, history.
3: I think you told me this story and it's a really good one. Yeah. so
2: speak up, I want everybody <laughs> to hear this so yeah, so I went to Nicaragua to rebuild a, a mental health facility for children in Nicaragua and also went there to teach English to um, aspiring immigrants who are who want to come into the United States and you know work here in the United States. During my visit there, I had to visit a dump, a dump where People were picking up bottles, uh, recycling and all that stuff. I went there and I was like, oh, this looks like a regular old dump that I see in, in New York City. But then I started seeing people approaching us. I start seeing families. I start seeing uh, single mothers and children. Children as young as six years old living in these dumps. Um, and in Spanish, I asked this small child as uh, why is he doing, well, what is he doing in the dump, right? I want to know, like, how did he get there with his family? And he's like, I don't know. I was just born into it. I've been living here all my life. And in my head, I'm like, wow, yeah, wow. Like, it was it, it was heartbreaking. And then I noticed another child. He was excited because we bought like a little mobile uh, education education um a thing where where they had ABCs, one, two, threes, but things that these children are already supposed to know. Like children here already know. And they were excited because they knew that we had food and water, something that they don't see every day. And I saw one one child, they were, he was chewing on a bottle cap. I'm like, that's very unsanitary. You could get sick from that. I hope you know that. I don't want you getting sick. He says, it makes me forget about my hunger.
3: That's heartbreaking.
2: I almost cried, almost broke down because... Me coming from the United States, and when I see these people such as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders, I see my own generation trying to push socialism. And to me, that's disgusting.
3: When you've seen it
2: yeah, firsthand. I saw it, I saw it firsthand, and I want them to hear the, this story about the small child, six years old, who's barely two feet, chewing on a bottle cap because he's hungry. He wants to forget about his hunger, that socialist policies have presented to him. And it's it's just disgusting to see these socialists call themselves democratic socialists. There's nothing democratic about socialism.
3: It's a sad day, and you're 100% right. There is nothing democratic about socialism. It's a very sad day when small children, I happen to have a couple, have to chew on a bottle cap to forget their hunger. It's a sad day when you go to school and they're indoctrinating you. It's a sad day when you can't be who you are as an individual because you're being forced into the mold And this is why I always quote Hamilton, I say, if you stand for nothing, you're going to fall for anything. Again, this is a special broadcast of This is America, Latinos for Liberty 2020 Town Hall, brought to you by JustFacts.com, Bravo Pizza, and Tower Beverage. We're here 17 floors above Madison Square Garden in New York City. Until the next time, America, I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America.
1: This is America.